Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. For now, we hope you enjoy this message. Thanks for tuning in today. Open your Bibles to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. We're going to begin there, and we're going to move through some scriptures this morning to help you. And um, I'm doing a series on the subject of faith. Why? Because it is important to understand what God gave us so that we could operate effectively on this side of heaven. But I'm at the beginning. I titled this message called The Sense Realm, The Origin of All Temptation. The Sense Realm, The Origin of All Temptation. Just want you to think about that, the sense realm. And I'll begin by just reading Hebrews 11, verse 1 and 6. This says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Amen. Faith is present. Hope is for future. Faith is the uh, substance of things hoped for, the evidence, the evidence of things not seen. Then he goes, says, but without faith, verse six, it is impossible to please God. Impossible, impossible, impossible to please God without understanding faith and exercising it in your life. Without faith, it's impossible to please God for he that comes to God must believe. He must believe what? That God is. That he's what? That he is coming, that he is what you're coming to him for. And I'm going to believe that God has every provision that you'll ever have need of in your life. Every provision, whether it's spiritually, emotionally, whether it's physically, whether it is socially, financially, uh, I mean, economically, whatever God, you are lacking in your life, God is that to you. God is that for you, but your faith is, uh, is required in order for you to attain to those things. All right. From the mo- oh, let me not the amplified. Now, faith is the assurance; it's the confirmation or the inward witness. Number two, it's the title deed. Title deed denotes ownership of things we hope for. That's future, being the proof of things we do not see, and the co- the conviction of their reality. Amen. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Now, I wish I would. I just wish I would have read uh, verse three. Because verse 3 says that everything that we see in the natural was made from the substance of faith, uh, was made from faith through the uh, substance of the eternal. Everything that you are here in the natural, you are simply a byproduct, even your own life is the byproduct of something that's already in the spirit realm. God is a spirit. Everything about him, he is surrounded by, we know that, that we, we're trying to figure out what is heaven like. Well, I believe heaven, uh, we get a picture of heaven by what's on the earth. Now, the earth has gone through a tremendous amount of convulsing and change because of sin. But the earth is still pretty. There are so beautiful areas of the earth that maybe you and I have never seen. We see them on pictures, you know. And, uh, and but, so anyway, it had to have been beautiful when God first made it, but it's still beautiful today. And um, God, once he, uh, you know, returns and, and sets up his kingdom, I'm sure there's going to be some supernatural changes in the earth as well. And I'm really, I'm really glad you're going to be part of that in your life, uh, a part of that. Amen. So he talks about faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Now, from the moment that we are born into this world, we are trained, we are trained to uh, to uh, live by our senses. We're trained to trust in our senses. Whether it comes to, uh, we hear the statements, don't touch, look where you're going. Uh, are you listening? Did you taste that? Did you smell that? So all the five physical senses, we operate continually from the day that we're born. We're trained to trust in them so, so that we uh, end up, don't touch a hot stove as a little child and end up getting burnt. So there's a reason for it. However, our lives are affected both negatively and positively positively through our senses. But once we're born again, we're required to transition from the five physical senses to the sixth sense called faith. God requires faith. It says we cannot please God without faith. So it's faith in God and faith in what he has established in his word, especially through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. How many believe that Jesus was the reflection of God in the earth? He was God in the earth, not just a reflection. He was God in the earth. Hallelujah. The second person. So we know through his ministry, through his life, through his lifestyle, through his teachings, uh, how to live as Christians on this side of heaven. So it's faith in God and faith in his word that pleases him. So God gave us the five physical senses for this natural life. 
and he gave us the spirit of faith for, for this, uh, for this um, journey, uh, uh, this spiritual journey on this uh, side of heaven. Uh, verse 11, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Now, our senses may be telling us one thing, listen, um, but our future hope is found in the certainty of God's word and his promises. Amen. I said the certainty of them. Now, see, God's timing is not ours. How many, raise your hand if you agree, God's timing is not our timing. And sometimes because we live where we live, you know, they said over the Philippines, it's going to take, listen, four to six months, four to six months to get electricity. And so they needed right away to purchase a generator. So we, we sent them the money to purchase generators so they could have electricity and, and, and live as comfortable as they could in that environment. Well, I'm telling you, as, 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 uh, as Americans uh, living in this nation, we can't even relate to that. We have our electricity shut off for two hours. We're going bananas. And yet they have, uh, they have learned that they have got to trust God for four to six months. Can I have an amen? I'm just saying, we have it so much easier here that we should have nothing to complain living as Americans. Now listen, verse 11, this is the Passion Bible. Faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. Amen. And as human beings, uh, God talks about the things, I love that, the, the, those things the, uh, to, require, to acquire the things we long for. And see, before we're saved, we don't know what we long for. Uh, we think we long for a new car. We long for new clothes. We long for a new house. We long for uh, a, a relationship that's strong and healthy. And before salvation, none of those things uh, are, are, are attainable. You got to have God in the center of your life for anything to work. Would you agree with me? I'm serious, for anything to work, for a relationship to work, you know, for, for <clears throat> your body to operate in, a, in a, the best it can, uh, uh, you need to have the Word of God and the Spirit of God working on your behalf. So uh, the things all humans long for, they, they, they don't even know what they are before they're saved. That's why they get into the drugs, the culture, uh, the sexual culture, uh, uh, <clears throat> alcoholism. They get into all of the stuff that they think is, they're going to attain some kind of um, you know, uh, satisfaction or completion, but it's not there. They're looking for things like God's love. They're looking for things like forgiveness. They're looking for acceptance. They're looking for a sense of belonging. How many agree that's all? We all look for those things. Amen. In our lives, a sense of a security, true identity. And those were the things that Adam had before he fell and, and transgressed. And we're going to look, look at that this morning. And it's the very things that Jesus went to the cross for to, re, uh, to get, bring them back to us uh, th so that we could have um, those in operating in our lives on this side of heaven. So anyway, the just shall live by faith. We love God. That's why I'm always encouraging people to lift their hands, you know, to sing. I mean, that song, if you just stop and listen to the words of that song, I mean, how can you not draw near to God? Amen. I mean, if you really believe that, now if you don't believe it, that's your choice. But I believe that God's love and mercy far exceeds any mess-ups that we can make in life. We just have to humble ourselves before him and receive that in, into our lives. So anyway, so we love God by faith. We worship God by faith. We serve him by faith. And we honor and obey him with our faith. Praise the Lord. It's all a faith journey. Now turn to Genesis 1.26. We're going to get into this message real quick here. Genesis 1.26. Now, in Genesis 1.26, God, the Bible says, I love the words, God begins by saying, <clears throat> he says, let us, that's Trinity, that's the deity talking, deity, is that up there? God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness and let them have dominion uh, over everything, every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth, amen. So, God was willed for man to have dominion. Let me give you the definition of dominion. It means to tread down, to prevail against, to reign, to reign or rule over. And then there's this word subjugate. Interesting word. It means to bring under domination or control, especially by conquest. So Adam knew. Adam knew that his authority lied in, in his relationship with God, not apart from God. The fullness of authority was when he yielded completely to God and not be not be tempted 
to step beyond the boundaries of his word and, and by taking his own will into his own hands. And I shared this in the first service because it's so important you understand this. When you talk about uh, these stories in the Bible, uh, uh, like uh, Genesis uh, 126, uh, God said, I'm giving you a dominion. Uh, the dominion uh, was over his own life more than anything else. Satan, the deceiver, was not Adam's greatest enemy. Adam's greatest enemy was his own will. See, God gave you a will. And you can stop for a moment, especially with the young people here. You can stop and say, okay, I accept the fact that I absolutely cannot do, God, uh, do life without God. I cannot make the right decisions, right? I cannot choose the right things without God's word and his divine guidance, hallelujah, by, uh, that comes from the Holy Spirit. I've got to have that. That's why you're here today. You're here because you recognize that you can't do life without learning the word of God and applying that word to your life. Let me hear, hear a good shot of amen if you believe that. Amen. That's why we came today. So the word dominion, literally, first and foremost, was over his own life. Now let's go to Genesis 2-7. This was really good. You'll enjoy this. Genesis 2-7. Hallelujah. <clears throat> I'll get there in the King James. The Bible says God formed man from the dust of the ground, and then he breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, and of course, he became a living soul. Verse 8, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man who had formed. And out of the ground, God, uh, out of the ground made the Lord God, again, I, I just say, remind you, anytime you see the word Lord God, that's the second person of the Godhead. Jesus has always been Lord, okay? So, it talks, in, earlier in the book of Genesis, it talks about God himself. But then in this chapter, it talks about the Lord God. That's the second person of the Godhead. And in fact, I, uh, I can confirm that from the scriptures in Colossians, the first chapter, verse 15 and 16, and also in John Gospel uh, 1 through 3, and also Hebrews, the first chapter, uh, verse, uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 3. And all it says this, that Jesus, the word of God, created all things. So Jesus is the word, and he created all things. If you agree with me, say amen to that. I mean, just to help you, just to, when you read that, it inspires me that deity was at work. Amen. Immediately when he said, let us make man in our image and likeness, that's Trinity. And here now we see the Lord God. We see the Holy Spirit in verse 2. The Spirit was hovering over the waters of the deep. And then, of course, here now you see the Lord God. Isn't that cool? All right. I'm excited about it. Hallelujah. Let's go on. And the Bible says he made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight, good for food. And pleasant to the sight, good for food. Every tree, pleasant to the sight, good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Okay. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden. From thence it was parted and became four heads. So there were four, one river that divided into four heads or four different rivers. The name of the first was Pison. This, that, is, that is it which compasses the whole land of Hibbalah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. And there is delium and onyx stone. The name of the second river is Gihon. The same is it that compasses the whole land of Ethiopia. Now I want you to think about these. Okay. Go on. The name of the third river is Hedekel. That is it which, that is it which goes toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. Amen. So uh, there's... A couple of things I'm going to cover in that, and I wrote them down. Everything, first of all, Adam needed. Everything he needed. Everything he needed was in this garden, God's garden. Amen. There, oh, number one, yeah, everything he needed. Number two, there were four rivers flowing through the garden, which tells us this was no backyard garden. This wasn't some little garden in the backyard that he was watering and hoping to get some, you know, a few, few radishes and carrots, you know, hope to God we survive. No it, was, no, it was a massive area. In fact, I studied the territorial area because he talks, uh, as we go on, he talks about um, uh, even as Ethiopia. Here, the land covered portions of Syria, Lebanon, parts of Egypt, Jordan, Iraq, and Ethiopia. And when I studied that region, this was millions of square miles. So this was a massive garden. 
It just goes to show you how big a thinker God is. Now, I'll just tell you this because I've heard a preach that God made Adam uh, um, master over the whole earth. No, he didn't. He made him master over his garden. And once he mastered the garden, then he could master everything. Okay? That's the same with your life. Once you master this garden right here, then you'll be qualified to help master other people's gardens. Not good? This right here is your real estate. Mark the fourth chapter, the parable of the sower is all about right here. Your real estate right here. That's why Proverbs 4 says, protect your heart with all diligence for uh, it determines the, the course of your life. This is your real estate right here that you need to protect. So the, you don't allow seeds of offense, unforgiveness, bitterness, envy, jealousy, strife, unforgiveness. All you, you are stewards of your own real estate. I cannot help you. You are responsible for it. Isn't that good? Well, it is good. Don't, don't sound that good. Amen. Number three, God intentionally recorded the gold that was in the region of, of Havilah, which is modern-day Mesopotamia. And that is a massive area. So God wanted him to know he would never. This is why today, you know, we always talk about shortages. There never, ever has been. Listen, neither will there ever, ever be shortages in the earth. Because God made the earth for Adam, and Adam was supposed to live forever. So shortages come from the greed of mankind, okay? Or shortage, let me say it this way, shortages can come from our disobedience as God's people, and we allow, like Randy said, the curse to come into our lives. You know, the curse, think about the curse. Uh, in, in Galatians 3.13, the curse was actually, let me, tell you that, let me tell you exactly what the curse was in Galatians 3.13. The curse was this. The curse was that the law required from you perfect obedience. And when you didn't, and, and of course, no man could because of sin, and when you couldn't, couldn't keep the law, the law said, kill him. That's why when Adam transgressed in the garden, the first thing he did, is he, he did is ran and hid himself from God because God said, the day that you eat of that fruit, you're going, of that tree, you're going to die. So he thought for sure God was coming to kill him. God was coming to save him, not kill him. Hallelujah. I mean, God is not our destroyer. He is our restorer. Can I have an amen? Just so, such wonderful. The gospel, that's what it's called the gospel. Amen. Good news. So my question is, how then could anyone take the bait of wanting more when you have it all? And the Lord said, well, it's very easy once you choose to believe that there is more. Once you choose to believe that there is more and you're willing to compromise your moral convictions to get it. Which is exactly what happened to Adam. And that's actually, that, that there is called lust, L-U-S-T. God gave me an acronym for lust years ago. It's living under sexual or sensual torment. Why? Because it's insatiable. So I want you to know that. The word lust means a longing, especially for that which is forbidden. And then in the book of 1 John, John actually addresses the three arenas of, of temptation that, were, that, we are, that we face every day in our lives. So let's read this. John said, or the Holy Spirit in John said, do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. And what's so interesting about this word love is the word agape. Agape. That's why the Lord himself said, wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Whatever you value the most. Amen. If you value your playtime, if you value your sports, if you value anything above God, so it takes your attention away from God and your relationship with him, that becomes idolatry and we get in trouble because we're sowing the wrong kind of seed. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, craving for essential gratification, there's number one. 
the lust of the eyes, greeting longings of the mind, that's number two, and the pride of life, assurance in one's own resources or in the stability of earthly things. These do not come from the Father, but are from the world itself. And the world passes away and disappears, watch this, and with it the forbidden cravings or the passionate desires of the lust of it. But he who does the will of God and carries out his purposes in his life abides and remains forever. That's why when you die, you don't have any more problems with lust. But until you do, oh, people say, well, pastor, pray for me. I have a problem with lust. Well, and I need to get rid of it. Well, then I'll have to pray that you die. Because it's part of the Adamic nature. Amen. So, again, if you haven't learned this, especially in everyone in here, just remember, lust is insatiable. It cannot be satisfied. There's a scripture that I read in Proverbs 30 this morning. I'll read it here for you. There are three words to describe the, uh, the greedy. What are they? Give me more. There are some things that are never satisfied. Forever craving more, they're unable to say that's enough. What are they? The grave yawning for another victim. Think about that. What does that even mean? Well, a grave... A grave receives a victim only to have that thing deteriorate so it's never satisfied. Turns back into dust. Can't keep it, okay? And then it says, uh, 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 the barren womb ever wanting a child, thirsty soil ever longing for rain, and a raging fire devouring its fuel. And he ends by saying, they're all insatiable. And they are. Now back to Genesis 2. Now, we just read 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Just focus for a moment. We just read 1 John 2, 15 through 17, which talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, those three that we have to address on a daily basis. And then here in Genesis 2, 15, I thought this was interesting, how they, you know, it's really, it's just interesting. They both are 2, 15 through 17, Genesis 2. The Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it, and to keep it. The word dress means to till and to enslave, to still and to enslave. And he wasn't just talking about the dirt in the garden. He was talking about his own life. You're going to have to till your heart and you're going to have to enslave it so that you don't allow your heart to step beyond the boundaries of my word, which was you keep yourself from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, let's finish reading it here. We'll show you. And then he said, and to keep it, it means to guard and protect it. So the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden, every tree, every tree, every tree, you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not surely eat it. For in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. So God set the boundaries for Adam, both internally and externally. And as long as Adam remained under authority, praise God, he operated in the fullness of God's authority, which brought him uh, uh, the fullness of God's provision, protection, amen. Everything he'd need was under God's authority. Amen. Say amen to that. So, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. And I've shared this through the years. I'll share it again. Just uh, the tree, that tree, I think it represented more than two things. Because I do believe it represents the tithe. But I believe, number one, it represents ownership. That God owns everything. We don't own anything. Number two, it represents stewardship. But he does call us and hold us, hold us responsible for managing everything he's given us. Amen. I get, uh, I get sometimes saddened in my heart when I see people with such great giftings. Like right now, today, there's some of you have great giftings, but you don't use them within the church. And I really do believe that saddens the heart of God, you know, that you don't use them for, you know, people say, well, we were at another church and we're burnt out, you know, well, try 40 years, try 50 years, amen. And so you just, you can, or you can say, God, thank you that you grace me uh, to honor you with my gifts and I'm going to use them for your glory and honor. Can I have an amen? I mean, it's, it's, it's important. Uh, you, we should never have a lack of any 
uh, nursery workers, lack of any children's ministers. We should have any lack of any of that. And, and it's just, again, just pray and say, God, where do you want me to use me within the boundaries of the local church? And, and uh, I mean, I, I love the door greeters. I love, I love those that are out there helping people get out of their cars. I just, I just, I just love that aspect of it. And, and now listen, and don't think you're too big or too, you know, to, to, to not do those things. I'll do anything and everything. Her and I will. We've been proving it for 40 years. Right, Randy? I'll go up and paint. I'll go change the light. I'll do anything because I never think I'm too big for anything. I'm not any different than you. I just want to be a servant of God and glorify him in my life. Amen. I said amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. The only true freedom, I'm going to see the time here. The only true freedom, this is a quote that I, I shared at Wednesday night. You can write it down if you've got time. The only true freedom we have in life is the freedom to choose. But once we choose, we become the servants of our choices. We become the servants of our choices. And thank God, we're not in line, so, and I'm not going to mention any names, but we had, we had a friend, uh, same age as our daughter, Amy, Angie knew him, and um, uh, he was raised in church here, born again, spirit-filled, uh, and um, uh, uh, something happened, I don't know, something happened within mom and dad, and, and um, something happened within the relationship with their church here, and so they left, and, and uh, really never got connected much to anything, and um, he became a severe alcoholic. And he just died this past week at 51 years old. I'm telling you, man, it's just so saddened. In fact, just three weeks ago, I felt compelled in my heart to look up dad. No idea anything was going on. He died just before, before Christmas. And, and what, when, honey? 16th of December, but I felt in my heart to go see him. And so I stopped in there and I missed him. And then I stopped in and missed him again, not knowing uh, his son was, was going to pass away. And if you'd have met this kid, he was fun. He was funny. He had a great personality. He was just a great kid. Never, ever, ever, ever destined to die at 51. He was destined to bring glory and honor to his heavenly father. But just the hardships of life, got a job in Minneapolis, didn't get established in a church, then went through a horrific divorce, and then died. And again, none, I mean, I'm telling you, man, never was the will of God that he go down any of those roads. My point is, we have to take this life very serious. If you agree, say Amen. So let's look at the first temptation for a minute, and then we got to close. Genesis 3.1, go back there. We're going to look at the first temptation having to do with the sense realm, okay? The Bible says the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, I always think that's interesting, who let him in? Who let him in the garden, you know? He's talking to the woman. He said, did God really say, and now you really sure? I mean, you, you know, are you sure you're not misreading or mishearing, misunderstanding? Did God really say you must not eat the fruit of any trees of the garden? Did, what? Listen, how the devil approached. Did God say you should not eat of every tree? No, he didn't. God said in verse 16 of chapter 2, of every tree of the garden you shall freely eat. Of every tree. So how he twists. I mean, I just want you to know that Satan is the first political uh, person in the world. He twisted the truth. Amen. And so that's lie number one. Verse two. Of course we may eat from the trees of the garden, the woman replied. It's only from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. Well, he didn't say anything about that. If you do, you will die. And his response, her, the devil's response was you won't die. You won't die. Well, that's a half truth. That's lie number two because it's a little half truth. He didn't die physically, but he did die spiritually. He was separated from God. Amen. Verse 5. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God. Other translations say you're going, to be, you're going to be a God apart from God. Amen. And in control of your own life and destiny. 
And I thought, my goodness, I was in control of my own life and destiny the first 20 years of my life and uh, ended up a demon-possessed, tormented, like never, not, like nothing. I mean, there's no way I was going to live uh, without some divine dimension, intervention from God, and he did intervene. Same with you. You're here today because God intervened into your life. So that was lie number three. God knows you're going to be a God apart from God, control your own life and destiny. And of course, he's been telling people that, uh, you know, for 6,000 years. And again, I love this scripture. And I'll just repeat it to you so that you can share it with others. And I think it's important you do. When you see young people around, share it with them. Jesus said this, apart from me, ye can do nothing. Bang's translation of that is the best you can do without a Christ-centered life is fail. I don't care how smart you are. I don't, I don't care how great your name is, how you, you know, you may have a, right? You may have a great name, you know, but it doesn't matter. Without a Christ-centered life, the best you can do in this life is fail. So if you can get a hold of that, praise God, and keep Jesus in the center of your life, you will prevail. Can I have an amen? You will prevail. So, verse six. So the woman was convinced. Here it is. She saw that the tree was beautiful. There's the lust of the flesh. And, it, and its fruit looked delicious. That's the lust of the eyes. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. That's the pride of life. She took some of the fruit and ate it, then gave to her husband with her, and he ate. At that moment, their eyes were opened. Open to what? To the sin they just committed. And they suddenly felt ashamed or at their nakedness or their lack of God's presence in their lives. So they sold themselves figs together to cover themselves. What a, what a tragedy in history that they fell, they fell to their own heart's desire and they allowed themselves. And I'll just tell you all this today, kids. You, you cannot, it's impossible for us, not, we're gonna make mistakes, but it's impossible for us to will, to will to step out of God's will and be stubborn and rebellious and expect his blessing and favor in our lives or even his protection. There's Christians that die prematurely because they get out of the will of God. Matthew 14, we're closing right here, what I have. Oh, it's only 10.32 out in Rapid City. Anyway. <laughs> now, this is a good story, and this is it. This will tie it all together. Matthew, the 14th chapter. Are you getting anything out of this today? hope it's helping you. I hope it's helping you. That one clap just encouraged me. Thank you very much. <laughs> Matthew 14. Now, Jesus just finished feeding 15,000 people, estimated, 5,000 men, besides women and children, and with five loaves and two fishes. I just love that story. Amen. And the Bible says, verse 22, Immediately, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him onto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. So as far as Jesus is concerned, in fact, as far as he's concerned, he told them, go unto the other side. Amen. Go unto the other side. Well, how many agree that that's exactly what he would grace them to go to the other side. But we know a storm rose up, just like you and I. Uh, I mean, the storm, anytime you're going to make a decision for God, just like, just like we, you know, uh, the New Year's resolutions, what do they normally last? Two weeks, you know, maybe two weeks. And it's just, the, it's just, yeah. In other words, you can make a decision up here, but you got to make it in here. But, but through the revelation of God's word. Amen. And that's why God gave us the word this year for re, to reset. Amen. To reset. I mean, I mean, get more committed to God than ever before, because that's the key. It doesn't get more committed to your treadmill, but get, get more committed to the one who will empower you to tread, tread on serpents and scorpions and overall the power of the enemy. <laughs> okay. Amen. Let's continue. So it says that uh, he, he, um, he, went, he, he was praying. And uh, 
He, he was alone. Verse 24. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. We've been on that. Her and I have been on the, uh, on the Sea of Galilee. And um, so we, it's fun to know we traveled that same route. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, uh, oh, excuse me, and in the fourth watch, that's three o'clock in the morning, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Now, one other story, one of the gospels says this, that Jesus would have walked past them because as far as he was concerned, they were on the other side waiting for him. But they weren't. So at 3 a.m. in the morning, he's cruising across the water. And, and the Bible says uh, he went walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking in the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. Well, so you, do you and I. How many have ever gone fishing? Okay, three of you. Anyway, that would scare the tar out of you. <laughs> I was going to have a fishing uh, uh, party this summer, but I guess not. No. Anyway, yeah, that would scare you. Come on. Amen. I mean, really scare you. And so, anyway, the Bible says that they cried out for fear. But I love this part. But immediately, that word straightway, immediately, immediately, Jesus spoke and said unto them, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. I mean, listen, we have access to 24 hours, every moment, every stinking hour of the day, every week, every month, we have nonstop News and most of it's bad news. So why do we listen to it? Now I'm serious. Fox News does not have the answer. Jesus has the answer. And I'll just leave it there. Amen. Amen. So the Bible says, he said, come on, be of good cheer as I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, invite me, bid me come unto thee on the water. Well, what's Jesus supposed to say? It's not I. It is I. Be not afraid. If it's you, bid me come on the water. And Jesus said, well, come. And when Peter was come down out of the boat, now watch this, watch this, he walked on the water. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, how many agree that that is supernatural? That he's stepped out. Now, he doesn't realize it, but he's operating in the gift of faith because you cannot walk on water without the gift of faith in operation. I'm just telling you. We have a swimming pool, you know. Uh, I mean, I've been practicing, but I just haven't yet, haven't yet reset. And... Uh, yeah, so the gift of faith is an operation, and he walks to go to Jesus. Now look what happens. But when, but when, the Bible says, he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Well, I, we'd all do the same. But that's so interesting, that phrase, and beginning to sink, because I, again, have swam, and when you go off that diving board, you don't begin to sink. You sink. And I'm, I'm serious. I mean, I really believe with all my heart. Uh, the more fear he allowed in, the, uh, 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 the more he began to go down into the water. And of course, he was, he was now freaking out. Why? Because the fact that the waves were probably now pounding on his head. And he cried out to Jesus. And I love the next response. And the Bible says, and, and, and immediately Jesus pressed for, uh, stretched forth his hand and pushed his head under the water. No, no, excuse me. <laughs> Thank God he didn't do that. He, the Bible says, he said unto him, oh, thou, he caught him and said, oh, thou little faith, why did you doubt? Now, that's interesting. Why? Because obviously Jesus was expecting him, expecting him not only to go out to Jesus, but to return with Jesus to the boat. But he learned something that day. And this lesson is not about walking on water. It's about you are going to face storms in your life, and you're going to wonder, how in the world are we going to make it through this storm? And Jesus says, well, just keep your focus on me, praise God. I will give you the power. I'll give you the strength. I'll give you the wisdom. I'll give you the direction. And I'll give you the provision. Why don't you give God a good shout of praise for that if you believe it? The Bible says, when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Amen. And, and then they worshiped, and I bet, I bet they did. Amen. And so my point is this, as we close. Musicians, you can come forward. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and thank you for being patient. I'm running a little over this morning. And, but I just want to encourage all of you this morning that uh, don't, 
Don't allow your life to be sense-ruled. Allow your life to be faith-ruled. Trusting in God. Because I, 2022, no idea what's going to happen. Um, we have all the signs of all sorts of things going on. Uh, we do. We, I mean, we have signs of, of, of a world war. We've got signs of economic collapse. We've got all sorts of, of signs of uh, a loss of certain freedoms. We've got all sorts of signs out there that are going on. But we have to keep our eyes on Jesus because he's the author and the finisher of our faith. It says that in Romans, the 12th, 12th chapter, verse 3. Amen. Every morning you get up, you worship God and you ask him for his wisdom and his direction, now listen to me, he'll give it to you. Life is relational. And when I, again, I've said this before, but when you watch these stadiums of uncontrolled emotions, people are screaming and yelling, happy, bawling, and when a football game's going on, and there's 100,000 people there, and I thought, and then we come to church, and, and, and I mean, you can hardly get a burp out of people. You, I mean, you could, uh, and, and all you want them to do is celebrate the goodness of God. Celebrate the love of God. Hallelujah. Celebrate the goodness of God. Come on. That's all you want. You just, come on. Let's celebrate the Lord. Hallelujah. If anybody has the answers to life, we do. And we do because we have a God that loves us very much. And life is relational. It really is. So we are, all of us are connected to the, to, you know, to the storms of life, whether they're relational, whether they're physical, emotional, uh, whether they're economical. We're all facing the same storms of life. Praise God, there's one who will give us peace, which passes all understanding. Can I have an amen? Let's stand. We're going to pray. Thank you, Lord. I sure hope I helped you today. Don't become sense-ruled. Become spirit-ruled. Become spirit-ruled. Spirit-ruled. Um, you know, I, I did a, just did a series, and I'm going to teach again. We just have to keep teaching the basics. But again, remind yourself that you've got someone living on the inside of you. Say this out loud. The Holy Spirit of the living God is living in me. Get, keep that before you because it'll keep you. It'll, it'll check you. He'll check you when you want to do something stupid. If you want to say something stupid, uh, it'll, he'll check you. He, he'll be there to give you his attention and his guidance. I mean, we got the greatest one living on the inside of us. But if, we're, if we completely tune him out, that, my point in bringing that up about all these people shouting and screaming, you know, God deserves that. I mean, I'm sorry, but, you know, we, we can applaud and cheer and scream at a, a guy running on the field with a, with a football, uh, and then we come to church, we won't even give him any vocal expression uh, at all. Why? Because we just don't feel like it. What feeling has nothing to do with it. It's your, it's your, your ability to discern the value of God in your life. And he deserves... That's why I said this last week. I don't sing loud, you know. To, I don't sing loud in front just to be heard. That's embarrassing. Uh, I, I'd sing like that because I want to give God or do my best to give him everything that's on the inside of me. Amen. Everything on the inside of me because he's worthy of that. I'm going to close with this. Vicky, of course, was really frustrated with me because I was obsessed for years listening to the news. And she kept saying, honey, you got to quit listening to that news. You got to quit listening to that news. And so I did. I stopped listening to news. Of course, things leak out. You hear people talking about something, whatever, you know, but I, I, I quit listening to the news. And then, because um, it's all bad news. And then she kept encouraging me to go back and listen to the messages that changed my life when I was 30 years old. And that is this. We went to Kenneth Hagin's school of ministry called Rama down in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1980. 
Now, we were introduced to him in 1976, but we went to his school in 1980. So she said, why don't you go back and start listening to Brother Hagen? So it took me a while. But on the first week of January, we've just spent one week, about the second or third, I went down on my bicycle. I'll get up every morning and do my bike. And um, I turned on Brother Hagen, YouTubed him. I tell you, I don't know if you heard me shouting. I mean, I, could, I, mean, I thought this is so good to be sweating, sweating like a hog and receiving revelation knowledge from God. Uh, it, I mean, I'm, I was shouting. I could, it was so inspiring. My point is this, guys. In Hebrews, it says this. It warns us that we don't let this revelation slip. And that word means to leak out. And I, I did not realize, honey, I didn't realize that, that I had lost that passion I had for the things of God. Now, I mean, now, now, you know, and it's so easy to go right back into thinking stupid, talking stupid. And, and, and when I begin to listen to him, and I'm only telling you this because I'm, I'm encouraging all of you to go on YouTube. He teaches on the authority of the believer. He teaches on the faith of God. He teaches on uh, demon spirits. I mean, things that will inspire you and change your life, praise God. Because you'll, uh, you'll never exceed the level of knowledge that you have in God's word. And you can either, either let the circumstances of life overcome you, or you can overcome the circumstances of life. It all depends on your knowledge of God's word. So I really realized, wow, I had, I really, sorry, honey, but I really had lost. I had lost that edge, that faith edge I had, that confidence, that courage I had. So please, it's important who you listen to. And you'll never go wrong, listen, Brother Hagin. This is one thing he did all the years I knew him. He's gone, he's in heaven now. He never ever talked about politics. He never got any of that. He just taught you the word of God so that you can overcome in life. Hallelujah. Raise your hand if you want to overcome in life. Amen. So faith comes by hearing. So bow your head. I want to pray for you today. Yes. I want to pray for you this morning. I'm here. You can say, Pastor, that message was for me. I no longer want to be sense-ruled. I want to be spirit-ruled. Lift your hand if that's you today. Amen. Should be everyone in this congregation lifting your hands. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Keep your hands lifted. Father, every one of us lift our hands today to you. Lord God, we don't want to remain the same. We want to be Christians that are changed from one degree of glory to another. Would you, would you give him praise right now? So God of heaven, we yield these vessels of clay to you today. We give you all that we are and all that we have because we want you to be the Lord over our lives, spirit, soul, and body. Father, as we together this week open our Bible or listen to a teaching, God, instruct us in the words of truth because he said the truth would make us free. Can you give him praise for that? Open up the eyes of our understanding, God, this week. Oh, Lord, that we may become Christ-like and not get, not get swept away with all of the doubt and unbelief that's in the world. God of heaven, we want to be Christ-like. We want to be Christ-like. So, God of heaven, my prayer today for each and every one, that God, that as they develop the, the more intimate relationship with you, God, you will manifest your glory in every area of their lives, and not only their lives personally, but in their marriages, in their children, in their homes, God, especially the men. God, help us men to speak life and not death, blessing and not cursing. Help us men not to live in offense, but to live in love. Hallelujah. Because love never fails. Thank you, God. And Lord, we receive your direction today. We receive your correction. Amen. We receive your direction. We receive, God, your, what's the next one? Yeah, protection and then perfection. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Give God a good shout of praise. Amen. Well, what you were talking about in your life is that reset. Amen. We all need to reset. And, and even in the story, the pastor was sharing about going to the other side. When Jesus said, I'm going to go up the mountain to pray, you go to the other side. 
He knew there would be a storm come up. I mean, storms, there's always storms. We were caught in a storm in one of our trips on the Sea of Galilee. There's always storms out there. He knew there would be a storm. But he gave his word and said, go to the other side. And some of you today, God has given you a word and said, go do this. Go start a business. Go get a new job. Or just stepping out to do something out of your comfort zone. Well, if you know you're being led by the Spirit, you pray you're being led by the Spirit. Sure, there's going to be sometimes... um, Bad situations come up or whatever. But if you will work the word of God, God will take you through them. He knew. They, he, he knew there would be a storm come up. But they had just seen all kinds of miracles. They had, Jesus had been teaching on faith. They had seen miracles. And when they'd seen the winds and the storm come up, it really, they should have been using their faith. And when Jesus came walking on the water and and. Peter saw the winds boisterous and began to sink because of the fear. What did Jesus do? He said, come, come. And today God would say to you, come on to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, come, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you might be going through, no matter what is to come, Jesus says, come unto me. And I will give you rest. Amen? So, so keep building your faith up. Keep building your faith. I know this year that God's going to call on us to put our faith and our trust in him. And there's, God just told me this, there's some miracles coming. There's some of you that have been, been standing on the word with all that you know to do, that you think you know to do, to receive a miracle. Something that cannot happen except God intervene. And this is your year of miracle. But this is your day to begin to walk by faith like you never have before. That means you're going to go into the word of God and start looking up the messages, looking up the scriptures on faith. What is faith? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Everything is about our walk of faith. It doesn't mean what religion are you. Faith means trusting in God. And you know what? Faith, I'm convinced, this year, faith above everything else, before everything else, is the great restart. Because the church, I don't care if they're word of faith or what, they have gone down, 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 and left that total trust and hope in God, where we stand and we believe, we shall see the salvation of God. We believe we're going to see a miracle in this realm or in that realm or in that area, whether it be finances or what. I'm telling you, there's things coming with the financing. We can walk above it by faith or we can be under it being tread on and trampled on. Faith is the big restart this year. Let's thank Pastor Vicky for that. That was good. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30. We also have a midweek service on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.